1: Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, alongside the executive producer of this presentation live on podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, John Seymour, a.k.a. The Monster. And it's another edition of Questions from the Audience uh, with uh, the Plowhawk and Iggy uh, Plowboy. Uh, good morning. Uh, how are things? Things are good. Good. Uh, yep. Uh, Iggy, uh, welcome back for another edition of QFTA. They have part of the interruption PTI the morning after TMA. I'll see if I can get QFTA trending.
2: I'm glad to be back. Even with all my lies, it's good to be back. I'll start. So you sideways with the audience again. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. What my are life's you gonna... more interesting than yours. Don't get pissed off at me.
1: Uh, getting some great questions. And anytime you have a question, send them to me uh, for questions from the audience. T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Uh, to our uh, Facebook page, subscribe to our iTunes, subscribe to whatever you listen to uh, via podcast, uh, Outcast, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is, eh, whatever it is. subscribe to the Tim McKernan Show, subscribe to the Cat Chat, Jim Hayes, Adam Wainwright, uh, Matt Adams, Paul Young, uh, and then Matt Holiday all have been guests on the Cat Chat, all part of the Inside STL Podcast Network as we broadcast from the homelonexpert.com studios. So if you would, subscribe to those and then follow us on Twitter as well, at Cat Chat, uh, Chats, actually, and at McKernan Show and uh, the Facebook page, the Tim McKernan Show. And you can also follow and participate in the fun and games, the discussions on the TMA fan page from our radio show. And a few of the questions today, boys, I'm curious how you're going to answer this. How, are Focused on the radio show itself, uh, and for those of you who don't listen to the show, but you've gotten turned on to the podcast, it's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central in St. Louis. Uh, and, uh, it's been airing since 2004, uh, Plowboy, how long have you been part of the show? Three years? Is that fair?
0: I'm coming up on my fourth here. Uh, You,
1: you, you preceded the Seamaster. How about that?
0: Yep. And I was just, I think I started right after you guys came back from spring training in 2013. So I think I'm coming on my third or fourth year of PMA.
1: And Iggy, you have been with us a few different, a couple different times.
2: I guess would be better what I said. Yeah, a few different times.
1: <laughs> and, but you've been in radio in St. Louis how, how twenty five years? That's safe to
2: say. Uh, yeah, next year goes goes on 26, well, 1992, I started. Wow, well, wow. So here is a question,
1: and I get asked this a lot, uh, and I'm curious how you guys will answer this. How close is everyone? As in all six members of the show: Jim Hayes, Doug Vaughn, the Sea Master, the Plowboy, Iggy, is everyone outside of 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. when you're doing the show. Plowboy.
0: I'll answer it, and you kind of hint at it sometimes on the show. It is similar to a family structure to where we're all different age groups. Who's group. like the hot dad? Doug at the hot dad. Doug into the hot everything. He'll be the hot dad, the stepbrother, the godson, or whatever he is. Who's the, the hot, hot mom? Old. Cat, because he probably tried to keep everything in line. Maybe Seymour answer is the hot mom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, nice. we'll
0: go sea monster. Great. Right, sitting right next to me. What, what role mom. do
1: I have here in this family structure?
0: Uh, you're kind of Uncle Cuck, to where you kind <laughs> of are. Uncle Cuck. Maybe wait. Maybe I'm Uncle Cuck. Maybe you're the. Uh, maybe you're the grandfather. Uncle Cuck, grandfather.
2: You, just, you got called the grandfather. I got called Uncle Cock. No, he said you the grandfather. Or uncle oh, I'm Cuck. the grandfather now. Yeah, he changed it from Uncle Cuck well, to maybe the grandfather. What am I, the great grandfather? I think
0: your uncle. You're un- yeah, I think he's Uncle Cuck.
2: Seems like you're coming up with your answer as you go along. Yeah, on the surface cu- it does. This
0: is a fly by your seat kind of thing.
1: <laughs> but your point is what?
0: The, the point is we have d- me and Doug could not be more opposite politically. And age group, he's about thirty years older than me, but I could not be closer to somebody than Doug Vaughn. Iggy, me and him, age difference. I mean, it doesn't matter what our political view is or anything like that. We are the tightest of group and I love it. I absolutely love it. so similar to a family structure, I would say. And Doug being hey, the think, hot dad.
2: That's of course that, exactly. And we still don't really know who Uncle Cuck is. Uncle Cuck. Yeah, the the question was outside of the studio, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Cause we really, other than TMA events and you and I play a lot of golf together. Um, but with cats outside the studio, it's either a TMA event or at the ballpark, but even at the ballpark, we'll sit next to each other and chat for a little bit in between innings. And same with Doug, if he's up in the press box, um, plowsy, we'll go to events together or go hang out every once in a while. So there's really not a lot of time with all of us at one place to kind of hang out. Um, but when we do get together, I mean, it's just like we're on the air. I mean, this is family. I know Timmy says familia all the time, and, but it's true. I mean, I would do anything for the other five people on the show. That's how much I care about everybody. And if there's times we get out, we're just like we are on the air. I mean, we don't ignore each other. We hang out.
1: Yeah, we, the, 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 I think people think, here's the thing, as far as like me, Doug, and the cat go, we hardly ever talk about the show. Damn. I mean, for real, hardly ever, like hardly ever talk about the show. So I recall when I first started, because when I first started in television, a lot of the players were around my age or really older, but I mean, that was just mid twenties and early, uh, late twenties or early thirties. So it's not like they were old, uh, but they were older because I was 23 and you just assumed a, that. When they lost a game, that they would be depressed, and then I would go down to the locker room, and they would be completely fine, and it would mess me up that I was actually upset about the Cardinals losing, and they seemed to be fine with it. Uh, so there's uh, some perspective that was delivered, and then second, secondly, that like they hardly ever talked about baseball, hardly ever talked about the game when they were away from the stadium, which of course now, being 41, absolutely stands to reason. So if I were hanging around. Edmonds, who I did a show with and then would hang around with, um, you know, at a time when we didn't have a baby and he now has, uh, I think, a one-year-old in addition to their flying back and forth to L.A. and all that, so we don't see each other as much. I mean, we hardly ever talked about baseball. But part of that was, even though I'm kind of different sports talk media guy, still by definition I'm media and I didn't want it to be portrayed as I'm trying to get information because I really didn't care. If we did talk about baseball, we'd just be kind of bullshitting about stuff Uh, so much so that there was one night when we were down at spring training, we were all staying at the same place and Tony La Russa came in like at 1230 and Edmonds and his wife and me and my wife were in the lobby and Tony came in, came over. Uh, Megan, Jim's wife, was about to take uh, their uh, kid to bed. And so then it was just me, Jim, Anna Marie and Tony La Russa then uh, Jim wound up going to, uh, no, Jim stayed, and I guess maybe Henry went to bed, so I don't know. Either way, it was just me, Jim, and Tony. It's like 1.30 in the morning at this point, and he was all fired up about Sports Talk Radio. It was the strangest damn thing. Like, of all the things in the world to be worked mm. up about, Tony is worked up about Sports Talk. Now, let me tell you something, man. I was driving along in San Francisco, and I heard this guy say something about something to do with the 49ers. And I called in and I told him, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're like the Big Al of the Bay Area. What are you doing? You're too intelligent to get worked up by sports talk radio guy. Uh, He goes, so I just want to know. I want to ask you a question. I said, okay, you can ask me anything, but I want to then be able to ask you anything. And he said, all right, all right, we'll do that. So he goes, I just want to know if you guys make up your opinions just to get phone calls and all that. Said, well, our show really didn't do phone calls. We're texts. I said, but do I think that goes on? Absolutely. Does that go on in our show? Absolutely not. I don't believe that at all. I, do, I truly do not believe that. I don't want it. It's like when we just have people call in and they try to become a new character and I'm like, oh, this is fake. I'm not interested in it. Uh, so then I was able to ask him my question and he goes, we off the record? And I'm going, my God, it's one thirty in the morning. You know, I'm sitting here. I've been drinking for like seven hours. Edmonds has been sitting here with me. We've been having tastes. Uh, you know, this isn't like, you know, reporting live from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, Tim McKernan in the conversation with Tony LaRusso. Of course, it's off the record. But the point is this, is even in that setting, I'm still media guy, even though I, at that point, hadn't done TV in 10 years probably. And, and the show is more focused on what Lana Rhodes is tweeting than, you know, Cardinal playoff move. So anyway, I did ask the question. Out of respect, though, since it was uh, off the record, uh, it will remain off the record. Trust me, you wouldn't find it all that fascinating. Uh, it was it really, considering I had one question to ask, I should have come up with a much better question, actually. I'm disappointed in myself. But anyway, uh, regarding the show, same deal. Doug and the Cat and I never talk about like never, but hardly ever talk about the business of the Ryan Kelly Morning After, unless we absolutely have to, and that has of, of course happened. And and since I hardly am ever on the phone with anybody, I guess I probably talk on the phone the most to the Sea Monster, and maybe we were on the phone.
0: I don't know. We flirt from time to time. We flirt, text, but yeah. that's more. That's it's more of our MySpace
1: accounts. Yes. Sea uh, Monster and I occasionally get on the phone, uh, whether it be for radio business or podcast business, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it's almost like awkward when I'm on the phone because I'm hardly ever on the phone, and uh, but but when I do have to get on the phone, then I have to get on the phone with Iggy, Plowboy, Sea Monster, Doug, and the Cat, and everybody's personalities are are certainly different. But the point is this: it, it it speaks to what the Plowboy said and what Iggy said. We all, I think it goes without saying, we all obviously get along. Uh, and I don't know what that phrase is. The sum of the parts is greater than anybody know what that the sum is. Some of them. Nurse, Nancy, Chasey, some of the... Whatever. The point is we're all better together than we would be out on our own, you know? I mean, I could do a sports talk radio show, I guess, and do what Francesa does and, and like, text people, um, but I, it just it wouldn't be nearly as enjoyable. And so when you have that group who you really like and get along with, you hold on to because you know it's not going to last forever, and uh, you're grateful for it, but... If the, the question is, do you guys hang out? The answer is absolutely not. No. I don't hang out with really anybody. I guess I hang out with Anna Marie. I and have like I'll come up to Kirk with
0: here. The, you know, <laughs>
1: Mace, Mace Dog, Wreath.
0: And, you know, I got I got my boy Soulard Twink Boys, great. So I, right. I got so a Kentucky, go. obviously. So, okay, there you so, go. so there's four.
1: But, you know, when, you, when you're 41, you don't really go out all that much. St. Louis doesn't really lend itself to social life uh, for people, uh, you know. In their 30s 40s 50s from my standpoint which i think is unfortunate uh, it's there but it's just not as great as some other places and uh and so you kind of want your social life becomes i guess your kids like games and stuff which is cool i'm looking forward to that uh, but that is what doug said you know he had for for about you know 28 years or something he had his kids games and then those parents to hang out with uh the cat is so busy with his cardinal thing doug's obviously busy with his tv thing and I just am content as can be to like hang out with my wife or just come up to Kirkwood brew house and that's it. So it's not like, oh, I don't want to hang out with the sea monster. I don't want to hang out with the Plowboy. I don't want with Iggy. I just don't, really, I don't, I don't really do much. I don't even see the guys who I would consider like my friend, friends from my neighborhood growing up in South city or St. Louis U high or from the university of Missouri. So, um, yeah, I, I guess because of the way the show comes off, people assume that we hang out, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. And they're, they almost, they're always kind of yes. like disappointed when I say we don't.
0: I'm busy in the fall time because college football, you know, college football 14 that I play on PS3. You're talking about your video game yeah, right now. Concern- You're not talking about sitting
1: at home I'm and betting for on football I'm
0: saying for my hangout free time that I could call Doug and come over and we could, you know, bake muffins or whatever. Instead, I play video games and I don't know if Doug or the cat or you would be very interested I would certainly, in watching. I
1: Part of me actually, because I saw Aaron Judge is on the cover of MLB 18. yes. And I'm like, God, especially with this new basement we just got, and I could just kind of go down there. But I mean, we, we, you would we love a, it. I know I would, but to think with all that I have on my plate and a two-month-old, if I were to say to Anna Marie, I know he's crying, but I, I got a big series with the Red Sox <laughs> that I've got to tend to. And yes, I'm 41 but I got to go hand—I think that would be a real problem. I think that would be a real problem. Yeah, I mean, problem. my
0: girlfriend's not a huge fan of—she bundles up in her coat and scarf. And, and she to, watches
1: you play. No, she
0: has to take my dog out because, like you said, I'm in the NLC. And again,
1: this is college football 14.
0: Yes, and I, right now I have a Georgia the one. The year is
1: 2017.
0: Yeah, but, you know, you can generate the real updated rosters. So I just beat A.J. McCarron. <laughs> oh, uh, congratulations and his uh, uh, Catherine love-
1: Webb in the stands.
0: No, I don't think so, but uh, we, we pulled off a 49 47. What would be considered an upset in the SEC team? And what team are game. you? Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs.
1: The Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. Congratulations on.
0: Eddie George had a phenomenal season. I know he yeah. was a Buckeye, but now he is re And also
1: 45 years old.
0: Yes, he had a good year for a 45 year old. I think Congratulations he had 2800 Congratulations to, you and to
1: uh, Eddie George. Yep. All right, uh, great question. I hope that it delivers on the answer. James Carlton of the James Carlton agency, a state farm insurance agent has been with us from the beginning and he wants our audience to know this 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for call James Carlton today to protect your biggest asset in fact. Go to his website right now and go check them out at carltoninsurance.net. That's carltoninsurance.net. Call James and he very well can get you better coverage and start saving you money. In fact, he often can include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. How about that deal? That's include like hey, I can include you like an order of fries. No, I'm going to include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. The switch is easy. Just text QUOTE to 314-961-4800. That's text QUOTE to 314-961-4800. And one of his incredible team members will reach out or visit carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton State Farm. Uh, this is to all three. This is, this is kind of, I'm wondering if I should go into it, but there have been a few of these political questions, so I'll take a chance and ask and I don't even really have my answer uh, but it's, it's sitting here and so I will attempt to ask it uh, and, and maybe this will be the end of questions from the audience since people really enjoy political talk so much uh, name one positive and negative on President Trump name one positive and negative on President Obama uh, Plowhawk I know you watch Meet the Press and Chris Wallace's program every Sunday uh, and you listen to NPR and Rush Limbaugh so you, you are well versed on all of these issues where are you?
0: I would have to say on Trump, it's it's one issue that is both positive and negative, and that's being outspoken. I think it's very—I I think it's a lot different than what our former president is having. It's something that we may need, but how he utilizes it on Twitter is obviously very damning to his reputation. And, you know, he's he makes people, you know, pick a side, whereas I think he could use his outspokenness for good, not evil. So I think for Donald Trump, his Twitter use is— both a positive and a negative. So that's for Trump. I don't know if Iggy, do you want me to answer both? And then,
2: uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go around the room on president Trump first. Iggy, Where do you go? Uh, Trump positives. Um, if you just look at the numbers, not his numbers is he's never going to be over 40% popularity. That'll never happen. Um, but as far as jobs, jobs are up. If depending on what numbers you look at, but jobs are up and, uh, the stock market is up. It's at an all time high. So he's doing some good things. um, negatives. He just, he needs to shut up. He, he tweets too much. He goes to places and says things he shouldn't say. Like right now he's in Japan for 13 days. When he comes back, I guarantee you his secretary of state will go to Japan and the Asian countries for 13 days and apologize for the stuff he said. That's just what he does. He doesn't listen to his advisors and he says things off the cuff and it gets him in trouble. And it seems to me like he doesn't care he enjoys the, the attention. You're a president. You should care about things you say. And it seems to me like he doesn't. He doesn't care who he pisses off. It's kind of like Howard Stern. 50% of the country love him. That's the way he was president. 50% hate him. He doesn't care. So good things. I think jobs in the stock market, bad things just shut your mouth because you make a fool of yourself too many times.
1: On a pause, You know, I wanted it because when I interviewed Senator Danforth, uh, former Senator Danforth for uh, this podcast, uh, I wanted to make sure that I asked him, because, I mean, really, one of the main reasons we were having the interview was the fact that he had written that op-ed in the Washington Post, you know, saying that President Trump was the most divisive president, a political figure, not president, since George Wallace. Pretty damning statement also to say he's not a Republican, for what Jack Danforth views as a Republican. So I wanted to ask him, when we were sitting there face-to-face, for anything that he would consider a positive. Because to me that gives, because there's, to me anyway... To me, this is my opinion, it's difficult to be—I can't imagine there is somebody who truthfully, internally is in lockstep with every plank of the Republican Party or every plank of the Democratic Party platform. I can't imagine. Now, you'll have people say that they are uh, politicians, specifically, but other people who are involved with politics and or voters. uh, Because I have a number of friends who would certainly—because, you know, they come from a lot of money, uh, because as we know, I run in money to circles— but, you know, nothing, you know, no, these, are, these are friends uh, who came for money, and there's, uh, they're Republicans, but they kind of cringe on the religious right stuff. Uh, you know, But, but I, they also, I think, recognize that that helps them get their guy in office because you're getting a huge amount of people to follow, even if it may be uh, from an economic standpoint, uh, against their actual economic interests because they believe that the Republican Party is the party of their church. So, with that all said... When I asked uh, former Senator Danforth that, he did have positives. For him uh, having a conservative on the Supreme Court, that was enough for a lot of people to vote for President Trump anyway, that that Supreme Court thing. So from a political strategy, uh, that was well played by the Republicans in 2016 to hold that out. Um, From what I personally like, uh, I hate it because I would want somebody on the left in the Supreme Court – Uh, and that I do feel strongly about sometimes I'm kind of, yeah, I don't really, but on that, that is important to me, but for conservatives, that's a positive, uh, from a stock market standpoint, it's the rollback of, uh, so many regulations. And then he is able to do a lot of, to take away a lot of what president Obama did, which depends on where you are. Some people view that to be a great thing. Somebody that would be a terrible thing that he is able to roll back a bunch of these executive orders. Uh, and so rolling back these regulations has led to big business, feeling comfortable, and those investing, feeling comfortable, and you see the stock market trending, and as you made reference to, the jobs numbers. And so even if you hate him, strongly dislike him, cringe at the tweets, cringe at the interviews, cringe at the press conferences, which... Like, if he were like a head coach, you'd go, what in the hell was that that, you, that he did? You know, but he's the president. You go, what in the world? Uh, you I, To me, I don't know how you can argue with the numbers. And this is coming from somebody who... I don't know what circumstance would lead me to voting for Donald Trump. But again, I, I think it's only fair if you observe things that are positive. Now, with that said, from a negative standpoint, what is the biggest negative? Um, I think the president of any nation, but in particular this one, because this one sets a tone for the world, uh, but this one, of course, sets the tone for the country. And I mean it. I I think what you have going on right now with the way he conducts business, this either you're with me or against me thing. I'm not talking about like the it's five in the morning and I'm I'm, you know, taking a shit and I have my iPhone with me and I'm gonna give a thought on Fox and Friends tweets. I'm talking about attacking the people who he is in business with. And by in business with, I'm talking about senators, I'm talking about congressmen and dressing them down and therefore you don't get things done and it makes it difficult for those people representatives senators people associated with the government to get reelected if they are to compromise it puts Washington DC at a stalemate which for the record was going on before Donald Trump was there um but i think what it has done to the discourse which already was toxic Uh, When you have the president setting that tone, I think it is absolutely devastating. Um, and and, and, And I don't know if a day goes by where if I see an article or see one of his tweets or see one of his press conferences or interviews where I don't think to myself, how in the hell did this happen? But I will say this, I will say this for those who on the left want to shit on people. Who voted for donald trump as broadly labeling all who voted for donald trump as either racist bigots whichever term you want to use uh or stupid you know or they're in the middle of the country so they don't get it you you're welcome to espouse that opinion just like trump is welcome to espouse his opinions not make up facts that's different but espouse an opinion but i'm telling you That if you really want to see policy changes and get somebody in office who you believe would line up more with what you believe to be in the best interests of the country and the greater good, telling people they're racist, telling people they're stupid, or telling people that because they live in Missouri or they live in rural Illinois or they live in Indiana or Kansas or Arkansas, that they don't matter as much is not the way that you get that done. And I feel like that has been a big mistake on the left. Because whether it be you're, you're in your Fox and Friends echo chamber, your Rush Limbaugh echo chamber, your Hannity echo chamber, or in your Rachel Maddow, a Bill Maher, your Hollywood uh, award ceremony echo chamber, the reality is the majority of people fall into the bell curve, in the middle part of the bell curve. And uh, preaching to the choir is not the way that you actually get legislation accomplished and or get somebody in office who you really believe is going to act for the greater good. So that is something that I observe uh, from uh, the left that I think has really been a disservice. It's almost like, oh, you know, it's it's, it's cool, it's safe to, to, to shit on Donald Trump. Cool, then let's shit on a bunch of people. I mean, I know plenty of people who voted for Donald Trump, and don't get me wrong, I know plenty of bigots, but I, I know plenty of people voted for Donald Trump who aren't even remotely close to bigots. They just didn't like Hillary Clinton. They didn't trust Hillary Clinton. Or for them, the Supreme Court mattered, and they were like, God, I'll vote for this guy, even though I can't believe I'm voting for this man. I'm going to vote for him. So uh, that is my official observation on a topic that uh, will lead to a potpourri of uh, hate emails. But it's my honest opinion, and, uh, and that's what we are here for any thoughts on that, boys? Anything, 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 anything. Oh, it's, fine.
0: it's fine if you don't. I don't need, I don't need it. But I need no, it. I I agree. And I would tend to lean more towards the left on some things. Um, so I wasn't a huge Trump supporter, but I never once went into it hoping that he would win so I could bash the president. Because I, I to me, I, if I hate the president or not, that's fine. But if he, it, it, what it comes down to is doing the right thing for the American people. And so uh, my personal feelings. Sh- should be outweighed about what he's actually doing for the country. And I don't think he's doing the right thing.
2: And this may be minuscule, but what I miss about president Obama is just how elegant of a speaker he was. I mean, in my lifetime of presidents, I've never heard anybody speak like him,
1: which gets us to the positives and negatives
2: on president Obama. We'll start with you since you're already talking about it. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I, it's really not something he did as a president, but he was so elegant and I miss those speeches because he was so good at it. And Trump is so bad at it. Um, Probably the best thing with Obama, if you just want to think one off the top of your head, uh, killing Osama bin Laden. Um, And Obamacare, probably the worst thing he ever did.
0: Uh, Obamacare, but I have another negative to start out with. And I don't know if this is him all to blame, but to me, what I saw was he completely disintegrated what was left of the middle class. Regardless, there wasn't many much left. He was so focused on helping the lower class that me as a middle-class citizen got completely thrown under the bus. And as far as Obamacare, I paid for health insurance before I got health insurance with my work. And it was a disaster, not only to sign up, but obviously the rates and everything, and it basically covered nothing, just my copay. So I would have to say Obamacare for obviously the worst, but the best is he he's like a guy you could almost talk to at a supermarket. It, 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 Trump and some of the other presidents seem Bigger than life, he just seems like a normal everyday guy that you can go have an intellectual conversation with, and I think that's something that was missing. So I, that's why I miss about Obama because his speeches were fantastic.
1: Uh, for full disclosure, uh, I am of the, the opinion he's—you uh, know—I I couldn't admire the man, mm-hmm. the man yeah. more. Now that, that doesn't mean that I'm therefore in lockstep with him on on policy. I just think the absolute world of him, and it would have taken, by the way, somebody for me to take the think the absolute world of for me to not vote for John McCain. And people might be going, how in the world could you vote for, be that, it's, it's, I, I, for me for voting, and again, it's, it's, it's totally unfair because it goes against usually what I talk about. It's, it's, it's intuition. And the intuition is, who do I believe when they are by themselves and sitting at that desk in the Oval Office will act with what they believe to be the greater good? Not a legacy, not what's in it for them, for the greater good. And I firmly believe that John McCain would have been a great president. Uh, And I believe Barack Obama was a great president. Uh, The aggregate data on that, I think, has him as the 15th best president or 12th best president that I've seen. Uh, And that's the same data, by the way, before somebody immediately writes in and says, well, that's probably biased, that has Ronald Reagan, I think, as a top 10 president, for example. Um, So, you know, just just for the record on that. Uh, So, with that said... You know, I wonder on the Obamacare thing that both of you cited is if he intentionally shoved through what he knew was an imperfect system, so then it would have to be tended to to make a better system. Now, that might be naive. I certainly read that. This isn't me coming up with a conspiracy theory, Uh, but it certainly was shoved through. Um, But that's what he felt like. He had to do because he felt like that needed to take place. I remember back in 2009, right after he was inaugurated and the economy was coming out of the debacle that was in particular September of 2008. And I remember thinking to myself, why is he so focused on health care? But the healthcare care program is such an important percentage of the U.S. economy that it was a chicken and egg discussion. But I just I, I felt like that I, I felt like he had equity with the country. So for people such as Bill Maher. Who oftentimes, and I think a number of people say this, but I'm just using Bill Maher as an example, who oftentimes say that the reason why there were a bunch of people who hated Obama and or treated him disrespectfully, and I can specifically recall when he was speaking on Capitol Hill uh, and a congressman yelled out, you lie, or something along those lines. I mean, that's wow i mean at that time i thought that was a low point and since obviously it's kind of like okay well pick your low points because we've had plenty since then but at that moment i'm like you gotta be kidding me would that have been done with ronald reagan or george h.w bush or even bill clinton uh or george w bush and i do feel like uh there was an element of it incited uh a wing of the country uh that at that time had kind of been marginalized in in a good way and that is bigots But with that said, after he was elected and for the first month or two, I I mean, his approval rating and the momentum that the country had and that he had were staggering. You know, I don't know if we'll see that in 2020, if there is a new president. Um, I don't know if we can for a while because the country is so. I
0: think you'll see people celebrating if Trump doesn't win the reelection because you'll have the Trump haters come out you know, by the millions and Uh, act like Like it'll
1: be so, I don't know. I of course hope that, that the country does go back, but go, and by go back, I mean, you know, back to where it was before, but because of the healthcare thing, he immediately then, then that, that positive goodwill, it began to drop with, with Republicans and with those who would consider themselves moderates who were turned off by it. Um, and I think that was damaging. And I also think, and this comes from more of, an, I, it, I, to say inside baseball is really a self-indulgent comment, but uh, I would call it in some capacity inside baseball and in that in getting to know uh, Senator Danforth a little bit, the way he talks about the way things were when he was a senator is that part of the reason why th- you don't hear horror stories, you certainly hear horror stories from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, don't get me wrong. I mean, you had the government shutdown with Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton's issues, of course, with Monica Lewinsky, uh, you had the Iran Contra hearings with with President Reagan, and of course Jimmy Carter's issue with the hostage situation, gas prices, in the seventies, the Watergate. You've had. Don't get me wrong. I'm not romanticizing obvious disasters, uh, much less recent history with the Iraqi War and, of course, September 11th. So I want to make that clear. I'm talking about the way that legislators used to interact with each other. And the way they used to interact, which allowed them to get things done, was they would hang out, Democrat or Republican. And so you humanize people, which then allows you to get things done. And it's one of the reasons why, when I'm attempting to manage a business, uh, that I never want to do things over email because you lose context. Ideally, I'm able to sit face-to-face with somebody when it's a difficult conversation. Um, Worst case scenario, it's a phone call. But either dressing somebody down in a group email or handling serious business over an email is just, you lose context. And I think what you have going on right now is people are getting pissed off based on what they see in social media or what are quoted. And people aren't interacting like they used to because they fly back to their districts or their states. And so they don't get to know families. And then therefore the people on the other side of the aisle are simply the enemy. You know, you're looking across the DMZ as opposed to looking across the aisle. And therefore, it makes it difficult to communicate and get things done. Furthermore, of course, you have plenty of constituents who say, I'm voting him out if he votes for, if she votes for this, or or works with a Democrat or works with a Republican. And I think, and I could be wrong, but I think one of President Obama's flaws, and again, this is coming from somebody who holds him in incredibly high esteem, uh, and I couldn't be more proud of my votes for Barack Obama, Uh, And I don't feel that way about some of my other presidential votes for the record. Uh, Even though I voted for Hillary Clinton, it was not like, oh, I'm so glad. I was just like, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I can't vote for Donald Trump. I just can't vote for Donald Trump. But I know there are plenty of people going, I can't vote for Hillary Clinton. So I'm not chastising anybody on that. But uh, is that I think he didn't do a good job of, and again, this is from the 5,000 feet view. He didn't do a good job of attempting to commiserate with people who are on the other side i think him and i don't know if you guys read the politico article on john boehner great piece by the way phenomenal piece uh i think they tried to i think they're both good men big time i think they're both good men uh victims of circumstance in, in some capacity with their falling out uh but i feel like part of it is a part of being president part of being a center part of whatever the case might be part of being a business person is to get to know the people with whom you are doing business, whether that be legislation or business. So they're not just numbers. They're not just a vote. They're not just a salary. You can either increase or reduce or eliminate. And I'm not sure that he did that effectively. And that's coming from people on the Democratic side as well that felt like he came off to them as aloof. Uh, And I feel like that was something that for all of his flaws, for example, President Clinton was really good at and President Reagan was really good at, uh, and that goes back to Tip O'Neill, a Democrat who was, you know, I mean, keep in mind, that was a Democratic uh, Congress, uh, and they got things done. So that would be my specific on President Obama, and as far as um, the positive, um, I think some might say this is a negative, from my standpoint, certainly his ability to speak it inspires people, uh, but I also think that cuts both ways if, if you can get duped into buying into somebody who's just a great speaker But it's hollow, and I feel like there are some of those demagogues out there. I do not believe that's Barack Obama. I believe, and I, it would be heartbreaking. It'd be like if I, like if I got done interviewing Senator Danforth, and he would have said something like just like I would have gone like off color, not even off color, but just like that goes against what he just said for the 50 minutes we sat there. My point is this: I believe Barack Obama was exactly who he was when he was in front of tens of thousands of people at Grant Park. And who he was when he was sitting alone in the Oval Office making a decision on whether or not to send in SEAL Team Six to take out Osama bin Laden.
0: But sadly, that's how Donald Trump is too. On the other side, to where this is probably how he is. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on
1: that. I understand what you're saying. You could say that regarding Twitter. Here's from my standpoint. I could be wrong again. It's limited experience. It's certainly not White House experience, of course. But I think you can get a tell on the stability of a business by turnover and or lack thereof. And if you see people coming and going left and right from any place, whether that be the White House or whether that be from a business, something is right. And if you see people sticking around for a long time, that means something is right. And to me, that that's one of the things actually, Plowboy, I'm most uncomfortable with is that I feel like, yeah, when he's standing out there, yeah, I mean, he's saying things that some people are like, oh, good, he tells it like it is because he kind of says some things that I like to say when I'm by myself with my you know, family members who uh, might have the same views, uh, even though it's not telling it like it is for a healthy portion of the country. Uh, it's, it's how people are coming and going and then criticizing and leaking, and that doesn't show a lot of faith in the we leadership. Had three
0: campaign managers, think of with something like that.
1: So that's, that's and it, it, you know, again, th- a lot of this is intuition. Uh, this is coming from somebody who, for the record, official disclaimer, I voted for Bob Dole in 1996. I'm sure that made some people just fall out of their chair. I voted for President George W. Bush in 2000. I wasn't real sure on that one. I voted for Kerry in 2004, and that was simply because, in the moment, I couldn't believe we were invading Iraq. I think that's, to me, as far as what we did, the worst thing in my lifetime. I, I still, I'm still, I'm still floored by that. I'm we didn't even invade the right country. I'm still floored that that happened. And that is not any shot at all at the people who went in there and, and mm-hmm. did what their jobs were. It's a shot at the administration to do that. I still cannot believe it. Uh, and I respect a great deal that the people in the moment, even though it was not popular voted against it, those who did, cause that shows that's the type of person I want to vote for. And that's what president Obama did. Not, not that he was the only one. Um, but I respect that a great deal. So there's our official political talk for the, uh, Segment. Uh, who knows how much uh, how much more we'll have on that? But that's where we're <laughs> coming from on that. Hopefully, none. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people like that or if they just absolutely hate it. But there were a few of them, so I'm like, all right, I'll get to it. All right, and then uh, then this one, and uh, and we'll wrap it up on this one, and we'll see where we go on it. Uh, let's see, Tim. It was great to hear the discussion behind uh, the question I asked in week one about the marijuana bill in the city. So I figure I'd try another topic. This doesn't come up often on TMA, but I always find myself listening really closely when it does, you talking about religion. I went to St. Louis U High as well, and a line that gets discussed among my group of friends is, quote, there's no quicker way out of the Catholic Church than to go through Catholic school your whole life, which we felt particularly strong about after going to St. Louis U High. From what I can pick up, we had similar mental processes happen during the time period that greatly influenced our opinions on religion today— I know this is a particularly personal subject for most people, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that change and how it affected your adult life if at all with your family, friends, etc. cetera. Uh, obviously I'd also like to hear uh, Plowsy's and Iggy's takes on their beliefs as well. So if you gentlemen are comfortable with addressing this, I didn't brief you on this topic before sitting down. Um, Iggy, fire away.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's two things you really try not to talk about on the radio. Three things actually, religion, race, and politics. Um and for the record I totally disagree with that but do I understand you? what I do understand well because saying. you can't win with certain people yeah. and you're going to win with others so depending on what your viewpoint is you you can't win as far as I'm concerned um but I have no problem talking about religion I'm Catholic um but it's the first
1: have, time I'm uh, finding that out for the record Is it really? Yeah.
2: yeah, I had no idea. I mean I guess you went oh. to Magdalene but that doesn't mean that Oh, I thought yeah. I would mentioned before that I'm Catholic. Um but I don't go to church and I don't I don't tie church into being Catholic. I mean, I lost all interest when the priest in place of the sermon were telling the parishioners that we need more money. And I'm like, well, what, what does that got to do with God and religion? You need more money to build this and build that. And it all turned into politics, basically, asking for more money. We need to do this. So I just got kind of turned off with church. I said, you know what? I can be Catholic and not go to church. Um, I believe in God. I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. Uh, I pray. um, And sometimes I pray for things that I need and (laughs) I get, you know, then I pray again saying I apologize for doing that. Um, But I do believe that, and I don't know, I've never taken a survey. I do believe that the majority of Catholics believe in God because they're afraid when they die, they have no place to go. If they would just say, you know what, I don't believe in God, and then something happens that there is a God, and they go to heaven and say, well, you don't believe in me, so down you go. They're afraid that when they die, they're dead forever, and they're not doing it. There's got to be something else, and they want to believe in God because they want to have a place to go when they die and see their relatives. Do I think that's going to happen? Do I think that you actually go up there and, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, I missed you guys? I I don't know, but if I say no... Then I, then I have nothing to look forward to when I die that I'm doing nothing. I have no chance of ever seeing my relatives again. So if I believe there's a heaven and I believe in God, then there's a chance I'm going to go see him. And I think the majority of Catholics feel that way, that whether they believe it or not, they want to feel like when I died, I'm going someplace. So they believe it. Plowhawk.
0: Uh, I'm open about it. I am very anti-religion. Um, I didn't grow up as, so I grew up Presbyterian, went to Presbyterian church, went I mean, it went every Sunday, went to Sunday school. I mean, did the whole deal, but I, I just, I, I just can't get into it. I, I, For me as a kid, I was always questioning things. And so I was one of those people that instead of saying, oh yeah, that sounds good. I go, well, what about this? Or what about this story in the Bible that doesn't seem believable? Or what about this? And the more questions you ask, instead of them being, oh, he's interested They're getting pissed that you're trying to question the religion as a kid. I'm just trying to understand, you know, and try to some of these stories that are in the Bible or I just want to explain more instead of explaining it just, oh, that's what God is. Then you see the destruction of, you know, you know, countries, certain family members, early deaths, things like that. And I know, quote unquote, God has a plan to me that turned me off to all religion. For me, I I live in the moment. Uh, If there is a heaven or a hell great i don't think believing in a heaven or hell sends me to hell if that is the case then send me to hell because i don't want to be affiliated where i have to believe in something i have to follow something that i don't have any proof of just in that slight chance that there is an afterlife for me i didn't murder anybody i haven't raped anybody i am a good person i work my ass off I am nice and polite. If that doesn't get me to heaven alone, then I do not want to go to heaven. That's my hot take.
1: I agree with uh, Iggy in the sense that I think religion in general is a byproduct of fear of what happens Mm -hmm. after people die. Uh, So uh, because, you know, when you grow up in the United States, you're really almost exclusively exposed, especially in this part of the country, uh, almost exclusively exposed to Christianity or Judaism. Uh, and then, you know, not that I've traveled around the world, but, uh, you know, Islam is, uh, you know, right there with Christianity or might even be larger. Uh, and then you have religions of, you know, uh, Southeast Asia, whether it be Buddhism, uh, Confucianism, Taoism, uh, Hinduism. So, uh, the, the, you know, and so you get caught up. I remember as a kid getting caught up. And which religion is right? Like, would there be uh, on Judgment Day an announcement uh, which religion was right? Congratulations to the Catholics, you had it right the whole time. I'm sorry to the Buddhists, you were wrong, and therefore you got to hang out here. We're going to heaven. Um, here is here is where I was was a freshman. because He makes reference to uh, high school. It's a freshman at St. Louis U. High. I specifically remember thinking this is 100% true. Uh, I remember thinking, God, I can't imagine how somebody couldn't believe in God. I specifically remember thinking that. And that, that comes like a, a couple of weeks after a Jesuit priest had thrown a mug at my head from the front of the room, and it, I was in the back, and it shattered just to the left of my head as a freshman at St. Louis U High. That's not to say that I believe that goes on there. I can tell you it did go on, and I believe he left the uh, the Jesuit ministry uh, and there were some anger issues, obviously, because I was talking and he threw <laughs> So it had nothing to do with it. But four years later, as I'm like a senior and getting ready, ready to graduate, I specifically remember thinking, I can't imagine believing in God. So over the course of those four years, something had happened. Um, and it is my belief, and it's almost, I hesitate to say it because if it's not taken the right way and you're talking about religion, I do agree, they're sensitive subjects, religion, race, politics, like, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I just think honesty, uh, makes the best conversation. And so even though I recognize, I agree with you hundred percent that uh, there's hypersensitivity and obviously there can be no upside sometimes with doing it, but for the purpose of the podcast is to be dead honest. I know some people could take it the wrong way and that's certainly not the intent over those years of starting out there at 13 years old and leaving there at 17 years old, you're taught critical thinking. It's part of, uh, Jesuit education is to is not dogma, which is what you were just making reference to, Plowboy, that if you asked a question, you're told, that's just the way it is. And what are you questioning God? Yeah. You know, that you're like, you are encouraged to ask questions because if you come away after asking questions and still believe, then your faith is stronger. But also the risk of that is you could come away and no longer believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we had SE Cup on we've had her on the, the Ryan Kelly morning after a couple of times. And if the podcast continues to grow sea monster and I'll travel up to New York and she would be one of the people we would love to interview uh face to face. And she is the rare, uh, outspoken atheist who is also,
2: uh, an outspoken Republican. Yep. Her and Bill Maher, the only two I can think of Ma- that are SC that popular. Cup. Well, that, I mean, he's certainly not Republican, but well, Republican, I'm just talking about atheists. Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, but she, she's kind of where I would describe myself. I wouldn't call myself an atheist so much as I would describe myself as agnostic because I, I feel, and I could be wrong, somebody who is an atheist might immediately get upset, just like somebody who's Christian or religious, Jewish, whatever the case might be. And none of these are attacks on it, but I realized it's a sensitive topic so people can get upset. But my understanding on atheism is uh, the belief that there is no God. Oh, I think gods.
0: that's where I'm at. I think so, that's where I'm at. See,
1: for me, I'm just not, I just, I'm not sure. not sure. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure, which I'm, I'm sure many Christians, for the record, would be in that <laughs> category as well. They just, yeah. They're hesitant to say it, and I understand. So with that said, that's where I am. The reason why I have now an aversion to what I believe is a hijacking of Christianity because I, going up in Catholic school and St. Louis U High, it's not like this Bible thing is new to me. Uh, Obviously, it was a huge part of my life from like age five through 17. And then I studied religion at the University of Missouri as well. And of course, uh, is this Americanized, politicized version of Christianity that somehow is used to justify, whether it be in the 50s and 60s, racism.
0: You can weaponize religion almost. It's crazy. To
1: justify... um, anti-gay mm-hmm. legislation uh, it's like you can use it like you said the plowboy to justify and it's just just like that we must have read different Bibles because that wasn't that wasn't really the theme uh, don't get me wrong there's plenty and that's the other thing there's plenty of unique things in the Bible that if you are reading them you know heads up on certain seafoods if you if you want to take it literally uh, you know because <laughs> you got problems if you want to take it take it literally. So it's like we're picking and choosing that which is convenient to justify certain things that you may not like. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person who uses it. And then it is used to win elections or in some cases, which makes me ill. Uh, so we were speaking about President Obama versus President McCain or, or Senator McCain in 2008. And that's why the, the Sarah Palin thing was the most one of the most disappointing things I've experienced in my voting life that he chose her. Because I felt like, oh God, what had gotten him to the point was just sticking to his guns, a maverick, as he was called. And he just played the ABC poker play of going, oh, we got to appeal to evangelicals since you're not considered religious enough. And we got to appeal to middle America since you're not considered conservative enough. And since Hillary Clinton didn't get the nomination, we're going to try to appeal to women. So we're going to do this and we're going to throw somebody out here who's not even, who was a local sportscaster 10 years ago. For real, by the way, in Alaska. I mean, that's just, ugh. And, and, that, and so people use it to win elections. It works. I get it. That's why Jan, uh, John Danforth wrote Faith in Politics, which we spend plenty of time talking about. But some people use it actually for business. Now, if they truly feel for religious reasons that they should be closed on Sunday, I tip my cap. I still go to Chick-fil-A and enjoy the hell out of Chick-fil-A. So and whether, whether the owner yep. likes gay people, dislikes gay people is open on Sunday, to me, that's his own business. And
0: let me say, being atheist doesn't mean I hate people who are religious. By all means, follow what you want, but don't try to pour it on me and then get mad at my beliefs. That's what I don't like. By all means, believe in what you believe, in. I'm not going to judge you for it.
1: So my aversion isn't to what you just said to people, because some of the finest people in my life, uh, my parents and my in-laws, for example, are very religious. Um, But... It's the use of religion to either garner votes or to garner business uh, or, most importantly, to act as a modern-day Philistine and cast aside those who do not share the same worldview as being beneath you. It's one thing if you don't want to hang out with them. Listen, if you're, if you're a hardcore Christian and you hear what I say on the radio and you go, that's just not something I want to be around, I get that. And I have no problem with that. I don't think that's wrong. But if you are going to try and uh, pass legislation that then makes my life experience uh, not equal to your life experience, and by that I'm talking about somebody, for example, who is gay, uh, for being who they are, and I'm talking about not choosing, but being born, That is a re- I have a real, real tough time with that. And because that would I feel be- like we, we lived that out in the 1960s, and what was justified then— Oftentimes it was religion.
0: And that would make me sick as if I was a religious person, let's say one of my best friends, or if I had a brother came out gay, I would have to think of my religion over thinking about my friendship or my relationship with my friend or my brother. I don't want those two to conflict, nor do I think they should conflict. And people have cut family members and friends off just because of their sexual orientation because, quote, that's what the Bible said, or it's not religious. That to me is crazy talk. Like you just, I mean, it's just, you can pick and choose, but I hate when people use the Bible against others. It is sickening. Well, as a
2: Catholic, I mean, uh, as a young kid, I was, I remember this vividly. I was in grade school and I did a project on why Hugh Hefner is not wrong for what he's doing because playboys making money and he's just a businessman to the point that they called my parents up and said, this is blasphemy. Your son is saying oh, the wow. playboy is, and she, and my dad just flat out said, no, well, he's a smart kid. He does. That's, <laughs> that's his nice. opinion. And I remember that. And I said, well, that's, even as a Catholic, I had viewpoints that maybe didn't <laughs> agree with the Catholic religion. And I still do. And you pointed out one of them that, no, the Bible says that you can't lay with another man and you can't get married. That's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, like I said, it's it's, it's more. It's
1: actually my aversion to it is from some of the people who fancy themselves, and we'll be sure to let you know, uh, that they are Christian, and then act in a way that, to me, was the, the main theme, the main takeaway, from my standpoint, of the entire New Testament, which was, do unto others as you'd have done to you, which I think you can live by, whether you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in Muhammad, you believe and follow the teachings of Buddha... Uh, Hinduism, whatever the case might be. And that's essentially how I try to live my life. Uh, if somebody is incredibly Christian, if somebody is uh, an Orthodox Jew, um, Muslim, whatever the case might be, atheist, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Treat those are going to be treated. Now, if that person then acts like a dick, well then fuck them. Mm-hmm. But I don't give a damn what they are as far as their religious background, mm-hmm. and that can be a white guy, and that can be a black guy, mm-hmm. it can be a gay guy, it can be a straight guy, it can be a man or woman, it, you know. Let's get to know each other and 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 figure out uh, if we can get along. As opposed to, oh, you don't believe in this, then then you're beneath. And that's 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 the thing that I feel like has been gone on. It's been politicized over the last really 30 or 40 years, but in particular, or to me, over the last 15 years. Uh, enjoyed the questions. Some uh, good questions. Once again, you can always email questions team McKernan at insidestl.com uh, with questions from the audience appearing every Wednesday here on the Tim McKernan Show. Plowboy, uh, thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Iggy, thank you, sir, for the Seamaster, executive producer of this uh, program, uh, John Seymour. I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show, live from the homeloanexpert.com studios.